Welcome to the World of CONCACAF podcast. We appreciate all the feedback we've gotten from everybody. Thanks for tuning in. Uh, this is going to be a quick bonus episode for you. We're going to try this out. Some of the feedback we got is people asking, oh, this was really fun to listen to. You guys had a lot of fun, but I don't understand anything you're talking about. So if you're curious and you want like basic information on what CONCACAF is all about, this episode is for you. I'm Donald Wine. And I'm Jonathan Slate. And I'm Eric Schmitz. And we're here to teach you the basics of CONCACAF. So just to start, Donald, what is a CONCACAF? So a CONCACAF or CONCACAF is a confederation, basically a continental region. And there's six of them recognized by FIFA. They oversee all the different competitions for that region. So a couple of things about CONCACAF. The United States, Mexico, Barbados, El Salvador, and all of the other federations around this region are part of FIFA. CONCACAF, the confederation, is not a member of FIFA. FIFA just allows them to exist as part of their structure. So the idea is to be a member of FIFA, you have to also be a member of your region, CONCACAF. But you don't have to be a member of CONCACAF. I mean, you have to be a member of CONCACAF, but you don't necessarily have to be a FIFA member. FIFA just allows it to kind of exist. Now, within that, there are also regional groupings within CONCACAF. Think of them like loose affiliations of national teams, but they do use them in CONCACAF for alignment for some tournaments or even qualifying for club competition. There is the North American Football Union, which is Canada, United States, and Mexico, the, the, the northern part of North America. Then there's the Union Central Americana de Football, which is Central America. Think everything south of Mexico along that little isthmus between the Caribbean Sea and the Pacific Ocean. Then there is the Caribbean Football Union, which is all of the Caribbean teams, all the islands. And we'll mention some of the other teams that are part of that union as well. We're going to talk about, you know, what are the other confederations? So Donald mentioned that there are six confederations and they're broken down. Um, they're of various sizes. You have the Asian Football Confederation, the uh, African Football Confederation, the Oceania uh, Football Confederation, UEFA, which I feel like a lot of people, if you aren't familiar with federations, you may know UEFA just from the Euros, and uh, CONMEBOL, which is the federation in South America. All right, and as Donald mentioned, CONCACAF is the region, basically. So North America, Central America, and all the islands in the Caribbean, those are all the countries that make up CONCACAF. But there are a few teams, three of them to be exact, that are on the Guyana subregion of South America. Those are also part of CONCACAF. So I'm talking about Guyana, Suriname, and French Guiana. So you're probably asking why, if they're located in South America, are they a part of CONCACAF and not the South American Confederation? Well, there's a few reasons. One, there's the history, tradition, and the cultures. They align more. These countries align more with the Caribbean than they do their South American neighbors. Second, there's less travel for those three countries to the Caribbean than there are to much of South America. And traditionally, these nations have been poorer than the rest of their South American counterparts. So less travel means less expenses for their football federations. And then finally, probably the most simple explanation, these three teams are tiny and they didn't want to subject themselves to going up against big time South American teams because they'd never be able to compete. They'd get absolutely stomped all the time. So with the Caribbean teams, it's more of a level playing field. 
And because of that tie, because of those historical and cultural ties, those three teams are considered part of the Caribbean Football Union, which makes a lot of sense. I think they're smart. They basically guaranteed themselves island qualifiers for life, which is something that all three of us are jealous about. Key, key point here. So Donald, when he was talking about breaking down CONCACAF, he mentioned that you have countries or uh, federations uh, that are members of CONCACAF, but not FIFA member nations. So you have to be a FIFA member nation in order to participate in a big events like the World Cup. Um, but you you can be a member of CONCACAF and participate in CONCACAF events and not participate in the World Cup. So one of those countries specific or islands specifically is Martinique. Uh, Martinique is a part of France, uh, but they are their own independent uh, federation. Others would include like Bonaire, uh, Guadeloupe as well. They're members and part of a larger country, uh, so they cannot qualify for the World Cup, but they can qualify and be a part of CONCACAF events. And we'll get to those events real quick. Now, the one thing I do want to differentiate when we're talking about competitions and teams is when we're talking CONCACAF, is the difference between international soccer and club soccer. So a good analogy for this is, you know, every four years when you have the Olympics, in the Summer Olympics, you'll have the basketball competitions where you'll get players from the NBA coming in and playing for their country, for their national teams. Now, they still play for teams in the NBA. Those are their clubs. And when they go to the Olympics, they're playing the internationally for their international teams. Soccer is doing that year round. It's not every four years. It's a constant thing. So these international competitions, international teams, those are for international competitions. With the club teams, that would be your leagues. In the U.S., it would be your Major League Soccer, uh, Mexico, your Liga MX. Canada, your Canadian Premier League. There's the differentiation. Players can be doing both. When we're talking about competitions, it's just important to differentiate between the professional club teams and the international competitions. Let's talk about international competitions. The first one we're going to talk about is the big one, the biggest sporting event on the planet, uh, the World Cup. And for CONCACAF, the key competition for them and it's about to start is world cup qualifying now with the world cup when you see it every four years it's 32 teams but to get to those 32 teams you have to pare down from 211 member nations of fifa from around the world so each confederation that we discussed the six around the world have their own competitions to qualify into the World Cup. CONCACAF gets three and a half bids. And you're going to ask, how does half a team get into the World Cup? We're going to kind of explain it real quick. So for the next World Cup in 2022, there's going to be a qualifying competition that starts this month. Originally, in 2019, they announced a new format that was supposed to start take place last year, but there's a pandemic i'm not sure if you're aware of that and there's a new format so the format now as announced in july 2020 35 teams in concacaf now there's 41 member nations in concacaf but only 35 teams in fifa that are going to try to qualify so what they did is 
every month FIFA does these cool rankings, ranking every team in the world. You'll you'll hear us mention them on the regular podcasts. It's a constantly evolving thing, uh, just like college football rankings. FIFA has their own thing, and they use those to seed teams. So in July 2020, they announced a format change. 35 teams who are members of FIFA, everybody has to get the opportunity to qualify for the World Cup. So what CONCACAF is doing is they're taking, according to the FIFA rankings, uh, the top five teams are automatically getting advanced to the final round. They're getting a bye. Teams ranked 6 through 35 are getting broken up into six groups of five, and they're going to play first round March and June. Each team plays four games. The top team in each group is going to go to the second round. In the second round, the six group winners are getting paired off against another team, and those two teams will each play, play each other home and away, and the winners of those home and away will go to the final round, which starts in September. So your top five teams and the three second-round winners. They'll play 14 games over the course of September of 2021 to March of 2022. Of the eight teams that advanced, the top three are going to Qatar. They're going to the World Cup. And whoever finishes fourth is going to go play a playoff game. They're the half team. They're going to play a playoff game against a qualifier from another confederation yet to be determined. If you watch the World Cup and you think this is the best of the best, nobody gets into that competition for free except the host country. Everyone has to work their way into it. And with CONCACAF, with all these countries, all these tiny island nations, as well as the U.S. and Mexico, the big powerhouses, everyone has to work their way into it. That's the big competition on a worldwide scale. In men's soccer, there's a big competition that's for just for CONCACAF. Jonathan, why don't you tell us about the Gold Cup? So the CONCACAF Gold Cup is the regional tournament. It's the um, all 41 member nation or member associations are eligible. It takes place every two years. It started in 1991. Um, the format has changed uh, throughout the years. It has most recently been 12 12 teams, but in 2019, we saw the expand uh, to 16 teams that are will compete in the Gold Cup finals. Much like Eric said with the World Cup, there are some qualifiers uh, that gets them narrowed down to those 16 teams, but uh, and then those 16 teams compete in a neutral country, or not neutral, in a country. Historically, that host country has been the United States uh, for several reasons. Uh, you know, we, when we touched on El Salvador, we mentioned that them having a large population uh, in D.C., um, but a lot of it just comes down to strictly money. Uh, there is more money for these teams to play uh, in the U.S. than it is uh, to spread out, and, and there's a, a lesser cost involved as well. So other than the Gold Cup and World Cup qualifying, there's also a major competition called the Olympics. I'm sure you guys have heard the Olympics. And in every other sport, the Olympics is the best of the best. The, the the best senior team for, if you guys recall, the dream team for basketball, it was the best NBA players that we could put together to send to the Olympics. Well, because FIFA didn't want to have the Olympics out showcase the World Cup, for the men, the Olympics is a U23 competition. And I want to use that to segue into our youth 
competitions that we have, starting with the U23s. They get together every four years for Olympic qualifying. And like I said, it's a U23 tournament. This year, they are doing that actually this month in Mexico. But because of the pandemic and because the Olympics were postponed from last year to this year, it is a U24 competition for the Olympics. However, qualifying is still a tough task. You have a group stage. It's every four years. The top two teams qualify. So out of 41 teams in in CONCACAF, only two get the opportunity to represent the region at the Olympics. So it's a tall task for anyone. For the U20s and the U17s, there's a World Cup. FIFA has their own World Cup competition for these groups. And the format is basically the same. There is a huge qualifying process where they get to a final tournament. And the tournament usually has four groups of four where the top three from each group kind of join four winners of a qualifying tournament that precedes that. And the top four teams in that tournament qualify for the FIFA U20 and U17 World, World Cups. The great thing about CONCACAF is in a, in, a nation, in, a, in a region that has a bunch of different tournaments that all have different formats, the U20s and the U17s are basically the same. And then there's finally, there's the U15. The U15s don't have a World Cup, but they do still have a CONCACAF championship every two years. 41 teams are divided into three divisions. They eventually get down to a point where there is a group stage that not only features CONCACAF teams, but also a few invited teams from UEFA. That changes from time to time. Sometimes they just focus on CONCACAF, but sometimes they invite teams from other confederations. Two years ago, in 2019, they invited three teams from UEFA. Of course, there is a group stage followed by a knockout stage. Nice little bracket like you'd see for the NCAA with 16 teams whittling down to an eventual winner. With all those competitions, a lot of them fall under smaller scope. There is one competition when it comes to men's international soccer in CONCACAF that doesn't make sense, but it makes the most sense. And that is, and you will hear us wax poetic about it frequently on the podcast, it's CONCACAF Nations League. Now, CONCACAF Nations League has a long history of being invented like three years ago. It was essentially made up to give a lot of the smaller countries in the Confederation more regular competition. For a lot of the tiny islands, they usually, they would sometimes only play like World Cup qualifiers or major tournaments. They don't get friendlies. They don't play game away games in Europe. It's hard for these teams to get regular competition. So CONCACAF trying to balance making money and also trying to get better. They came up with this concept of CONCACAF Nations League that would go on during international breaks in the yearly calendar. They split up CONCACAF in three leagues. And essentially, if you're familiar with league systems uh, in soccer, there's like there's the top division, which is League A. There's a second division, which is League B, and a third division, which is League C. And these teams would be grouped based on their rankings. They play each other. Essentially, it's CONCACAF teams playing each other, and it's CONCACAF teams playing each other home and away. So for the big guys, for your United States, for your Mexico's, for your Costa Rica's, this is the opportunity to play away games in CONCACAF not during World Cup qualifying. Because outside of World Cup qualifying, pretty much every major tournament 
is held in a bigger country in nice stadiums. And this really levels the playing field per se. I would have to say that it's the, it captures the magic of what CONCACAF is the most. Gentlemen, what do you have to say about CONCACAF Nations League? It's the greatest tournament in the world. I, 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 it's, it's island qualifiers, it's island matches, it's promotion relegation. It, it, it has it all. And, and really, you also, I, I think it, it's one of these tournaments that benefits the younger and the, and the smaller teams. But it's still fun for us. It's still fun for the big guys, too. And everyone has a chance in, in Nations League. No one, no one gets thrown out of the tournament. You just, you may move down a level, you may move up a level, but no one gets thrown out. And that's the great part of things is every two years, you just do it all over again. Yeah, I mean, I think it's the, one of the best tournaments in the world. I mean, the fact that Europe went and modeled their Nations League after the CONCACAF Nations League, I, there, there's, no, there's no bad thing to say about that. Uh, it's something, Go ahead. I, I was going to say, it's, it's, it's the most storied and historical tournament in CONCACAF. I think it, it just embra- it's the essence of CONCACAF personified. And the fact that it was the gold standard for other confederations to model their Nations League after, it just goes to show you that CONCACAF was able to assess what they could bring to the table best and develop this competition, not only for CONCACAF, but for the world. The great news is it's not just the men that get CONCACAF Nations League. Donald, what is the good news that we recently got? The good news is that the women are going to get in on the fun too. Back in December, they approved the CONCACAF Women's Nations League, and it's going to be set very similar to the Men's Nations League with a couple of caveats. There will be three leagues, just like the Nations League. There's a double round robin format. There will be promotion relegation between them. But where the competition differs from the men is that before it, there will be Olympic qualifying for the 2024 Summer Olympics. The two teams who qualify for the Olympics they don't participate in the group stage of things. They go directly to the final tournament of Nations League. They get a bye. So the group stage happens, and the top three League A group winners go to the final tournament. The group runners-up of League A do a play-in with the League B group winners. Those two, those teams will determine the final three spots of that tournament. Then there is the final tournament. That will begin in June of 2024. I know that's a long way away, it seems, but in the, in the grand scheme of the pandemic, it's tomorrow. There will be the final <laughs> tournament featuring all of these teams. They split into three groups of four. There's a, there's a group stage and then a knockout. The winner gets crowned your Women's Nations League champion. And then for World Cup qualifying, with the Women's National Team game and the Women's World Cup, the pool and the size of the tournament has changed um, more recently than with the men's. Uh, the most recent World Cup was... 24 teams uh, we are going to see for the next world cup in 2023 that is going to increase uh, to 32 teams just like the men's world cup uh, Concacaf gets four slots within this tournament and uh, they, so they don't they don't have the half slots like they do uh, with with the men's cup but uh, they don't have a gold cup per se they did for a few years and the la- last time it was held was in 20 2006 but they just have a single uh, tournament that's the CONCACAF Women's Championship, and that is their World Cup qualifying. So it is a single 16 uh, tournament um, that they go through, 
and that is you know in within five days and that they then you know they don't have that whole year long or multiple year long process uh, that the men's teams do yeah and quickly that is one thing that we want we kind of need to be emphasized is that for the men's teams to qualify for the men's world cup it's a process it's a year-long process with home and away games with the women it's one quick tournament and you would like to see eventually that expand to more like the men's model where you're getting home and away games instead of one championship tournament that's two weeks in somewhere in the u.s uh, where they sell a bunch of tickets and not a lot of teams get real chance. I, I think we're going to see that too, as they've expanded nations, nations league too. Uh, I think one of the biggest things that we've seen as the women's game has grown is a lot of these teams haven't been around as long. You'll notice every time that we talk about a CONCACAF country, the men's team has been around decades longer than the women's team. So we're going to, we're going to see, I think that expand and hopefully become a, a more uh, involved process. And fun process. So the other tournament that is really big on the women's schedule, remember five minutes ago, I just talked about how the Olympics was not the grand the grand scale for the men. Well, for the women, it is. The women, it is the second biggest tournament on the four-year calendar schedule, if you will. And so that has already taken place. Is very similar to the men's tournament. There is a group stage. Again, very few teams get to qualify for it. It's only eight teams. They have a group stage, break them up in the, in the groups before, and the top two teams advance to the knockout stage. There's only a semifinal and a final, but if you win your semifinal game, you are off to the Olympics. Only two teams from CONCACAF qualify. This summer, it'll be the United States and Canada who qualified by making the final of the championship last year. So it, it's interesting because it within a sport, you have – two different ways of operating, but because FIFA doesn't have anything other than the women's world cup, they let the Olympics kind of stand alone in your women's national team. Your senior team is the one that goes to that event. And the important thing to know with the women's Olympic qualifying is that in the Olympics in women's soccer, it's there's no age restriction. So it's the full national team. So with the men, you have your U 23 qualifying tournament because there's the, under 23 restriction for the Olympics in men's soccer. Without that, there is no women's U23 CONCACAF championship because there really isn't a point to that. But also with the men, which is interesting, is that when you if you do make the actual Olympics, the tournament is a U23 tournament, but each team is allowed three players over the age of 23 to be on your roster. And so some teams, if you go back to 2016, and the Olympics in Brazil, the Brazilian men's team put Neymar on that team. They wanted him to kind of be the face of the team. Uh, with, But it was just him. It wasn't the normal Brazil team. It was Neymar with a bunch of kids. Yeah, and you'll hear that discussion once men's Olympic qualifying com- is completed and teams are, have gotten their bids into the tournament. You'll hear discussions as to who's going to make that roster. So there's no women's under-23 CONCACAF championship. But like on the men's side, there are other youth youth tournaments that happen. There's the U20 championship, which and the U17 championship, both of which qualify you for the respective World Cups on the women's side. 
And there's also under 15 girls championship. The more important one of those three would be the U20 uh, women's championship. So those are the international competitions. For club competitions, there's two big ones. Jonathan, tell us about CONCACAF Champions League. So the premier tournament for CONCACAF club teams is the CONCACAF Champions League. Um, it was founded in 1962, uh, and the f- current format that is running came in to be in 2008. Uh, so there's been several different iterations and ages of the tournament, um, but right now, um, for the ones that are currently going on, it is 16 teams uh, that qualify throughout uh, CONCACAF. And, you know, when Donald mentioned the different zones and unions, that does come into play when qualifying for uh, CONCACAF Champions League. Now, there is one thing to note. We do know that this is expanding. Uh, it is expanding to a 50 teams. So it is going to be an even bigger uh, deal than it is. Um, the big thing that the winner gets is they get to go to the FIFA Club World Cup. And you may think, oh, Club World Cup sounds like the the pinnacle of of club soccer. It's not because it's such a small field. Uh, it's it's just eight teams that qualify. Uh, there's been some talk of expanding that. But uh, so CONCACAF Nations League, you'll see teams from your Major League Soccer, from uh, Liga MX, from you, your uh, Costa Rican Premier Division. Um, all of these nations, uh, their club competition gets a invite um, into some form of of, of CONCACAF uh, club qualification. So the second tier competition in CONCACAF is called the CONCACAF League. And for those of you who watch a lot of European soccer, this is our Europa League. But except in Europa, Europa League being a net to catch those who crash out of Champions League over in Europe, this competition is used as a feeder tournament for teams from smaller leagues to play their way into CONCACAF Champions League. There's 22 teams, 18 from Central America, three from the Caribbean, and one from Canada. Though with the expansion of Champions League, this is also going to change. They haven't figured out exactly how it's going to be, but this is going to eventually flip to be kind of like Europe League where it will catch some of the teams that crash out of Champions League. But the top six teams right now advance to the Champions League round of 16 to join the teams that qualified directly from the U.S., Canada, Mexico, and the Caribbean Club Championship. Now, if you listen to that and are completely lost, a good analogy for this would be look at CONCACAF as the NCAA when it comes to college basketball. Each country, their league is a conference. So say MLS is the SEC. You can win the SEC. Great. Winning the SEC gets you into the NCAA tournament, your March Madness. That would be CONCACAF Champions League. If you're not that good, you could qualify for the NIT, which is your CONCACAF League. And it's just additional competitions beyond your conference and or league. Does that make sense to you guys? Yeah, absolutely. And just like perfect sense. just like the NCAA tournament, some teams, some conferences get more bids than others. Yeah. See, we can make all of CONCACAF relatable to you. You just got to make the connections. So now we've talked about the competitions. We next want to talk about some key figures. Who runs CONCACAF? Jonathan, who runs CONCACAF? So the current president of CONCACAF is Victor Mattagliani. Um, He has also been uh, the president of the Canadian 
uh, Football Federation. He is the one that is in charge of making sure that everything is, the tournaments are organized, um, but he also serves on the FIFA Executive Council as well. So within within FIFA, there is a, a the Illuminati, as we'll call them, uh, that is, that is, that is, <laughs> That makes all of the big decisions. Um, and as president of CONCACAF, he gets a seat at the table. And under him, are there's four vice presidents, there's a general secretary, and then there's a couple of members of their kind of at-large executive committee. Now, the four VPs are traditionally people from the region. So you have Rodolfo Villalobos, who's from Costa Rica. Sunil Galati, American fans know that name very, very well. He obviously was the former U.S. soccer president. He is a vice president of CONCACAF still. Randolph Harris from Barbados is also vice president. And then Yonde Luisa from Mexico rounds out the vice presidents. There's also a general secretary, and that is Felipe Mojo. Felipe Mojo is from France. He actually was a French-Colombian former tennis player who represented Colombia at four Davis Cups. So a tennis player running CONCACAF, a soccer region, that's how CONCACAF is. And then finally, you have your two executive members, Sonia Bianami from the Cayman Islands and Jorge Salomon from Honduras. That is kind of your executive committee, if you will. All right. And those are the people who are in power now, the big names to know. On our podcast, we will be talking about some characters of the past. And I just want to touch on three real quick for you that are the important ones to know. And honestly, you need to know about these people because it's ridiculous. The first one we're going to go to, as you may have, as you may know from our first episode, Jack Warner. Jack Warner was uh, from Trinidad and Tobago. He was the president of CONCACAF from 1990 to 2011. Jack Warner has had various allegations of corruption against him. Uh, anything from black market ticket sales, demanding personal payments, for national team businesses, selling votes to bid tournaments. He was indicted in the U.S. in the 2015 FIFA corruption case, and right now he is avoiding extradition to the United States, hiding out in Trinidad and Tobago. Donald, do you have any comments on Jack Warner? Jack Warner sucks. Next is Chuck Blazer. Chuck Blazer is an American. He was the CONCACAF General Secretary from 1990 to 2011, uh, he was former executive vice president of the U.S. Soccer Foundation, and he was also on FIFA's executive committee from 1996 to 2013. Chuck Blazer took bribes for World Cup bids. He was involved in the 2015 FIFA corruption case. Uh, he became a government informant, actually, and turned on a lot of the people he worked with. He was banned for life from FIFA in July of 2015, and he is currently dead. Jonathan, Jonathan, what do we need to know about Chuck Blazer? Chuck Blazer was a character, and and there I would encourage anyone to take take a trip down the old Google Google rabbit hole, um, and and just to learn a little bit about Chuck Blazer. But I think one thing that gets overlooked at times was uh, Chuck Blazer was a was a very large man, uh, and he would be seen tooling about town in the in, in New York City on his rascal scooter with a parrot on his shoulder. He was an eccentric individual, but I just I'm not even going to give it away. Just just. Just go Google Chuck Blazer parrots. Chuck Blazer had cats. Like, come on, man. He had a lot of them. Uh, Chuck Blazer will be a recurring character on this podcast. Don't you worry. Uh, the last one I want to touch on is Jeffrey Webb. 
Jeffrey Webb uh, from the Cayman Islands. He was also former president of CONCACAF. He was president of the Cayman Islands Federation. He was VP of FIFA. He was the second leading person in FIFA in the world. And he was also arrested on corruption charges related to a lot of the things that go on in CONCACAF. Jonathan, I believe you have a close-to-home connection yeah, to him. So uh, I grew up in a um, smaller suburb outside of Atlanta um, in a, um, let's just say, rural area. Jeffrey Webb owned a home there. Uh, it was his second home outside of the Cayman Islands, so of all places uh, to own a home. Um, but it did go for sale um, after the government seized it uh, in 2015. So that may still be up for grabs uh, if you're interested in Jeffrey Webb's home. But that's all we need to go over today. We're going to potentially do some more of these just to bring you along in your knowledge of the magic of CONCACAF. Thanks for joining us. Guys, is there anything else you want to add? Let us know your questions. If there's things you still aren't you know, 100% clear on or, or want to learn more about either the intricacies or the eccentricities of CONCACAF, uh, let us know, and we would love to answer those questions. Donald, is there anything else you want to add? I just want to reaffirm that Jack Warner sucks. And there you have it. Thanks for joining us for this class in CONCACAF 101. We'll be with you in a couple weeks for the third episode of the podcast, previewing World Cup qualifying. And if you have any questions, feel free to reach out to us on social media. Jack Warner sucks.